It's a summer edition across the Resonate Network. Heard on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Welcome to everybody across regional Queensland and I welcome Scott Parkinson into the studio. Yeah, welcome um, to myself and yeah, hello Watsy. Thanks for the kind introduction. It's great to be here. I think this is now four weeks. Week four. So outstanding that we're still on air and I think the show just keeps getting better and better. And... Um, all jokes aside, Nick Backstrom's on the road and on holidays, and uh, he's in your poon, Nick. First of all, on a serious note, mate, how's things down there? I think uh, the fires have calmed right down. Uh, it's in, I thought I heard someone say this morning they're you know, out. And uh, much clearer day today. And, uh, yeah, amazing effort by the firefighters across you know, Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, yeah, astonishing. And we speak of the, the dramas that we've been through out here in the west and a lot of regional Queensland ravaged by drought. We had the floods earlier on this year and now these bushfires that stretch right across a lot of New South Wales and, and country Queensland, mate. Um, we've got to be resilient, don't we? Oh, for sure. And uh, it's great. There's one around your poon, like you know, the, the community. There's all, you know, we've got the major supermarkets here, but they've got stands aside for donations. Don't get Pauline to, uh, started about their milk prices. <laughs> no, no, no. But, yeah, they've got stands aside for donations to the firefighters, uh, but also to the families and victims and so on. So food or clothing and gifts, they're all there. All the coffee shops in the area just said, if you're a fiery, if you're emergency services, free coffee. You know, so it's a real... Yeah, the support is there right away. It's fantastic. And I think um, sometimes I mean, when you go through devastating things like this, it's one of those things that makes you so proud to be Australian just for the way that we do band around each other. Um, I think it's yeah, outstanding. That's very true. Boys, uh, the summer editions, all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Get munging today. I wonder if I'll pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's actually bringing back some fresh mung beans from your poon. But, hey, um, I'm a little bit cranky at Nick, and I know you're away, and, and mate, you're the most well-deserved hodl of the day in the Central West. But, Nick, tonight I'm playing cricket, and, you know, my dad was never a good sportsman, so I never got to play a father-son match, and I thought tonight... <laughs> Would be the you know the chance for you and I as a you know de facto father son relationship to get together and you bloody off holiday. Yeah, I'm bitterly disappointed. I've got to say, yeah. To be fair though, you had uh, said you weren't no playing in, and uh, you've come back like Lazarus and uh, <laughs> or Johnny Farnham. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to the amazement of all. Okay, and, boys. Uh, hopefully, we will get a game in before the season's over. Big show coming up today, starting uh, Parco with Kurt Mann. Oh, I mean, Kurt, man, you talk about success stories out of a small town and coming from Winton, uh, was actually the school captain or the house captain at Longreach State School, but this guy has gone from strength to strength. I think it's really interesting what's he talked to him because he's a guy who's plays so many positions. Yep. Um, and I think that sometimes has been a bit of a, a detriment to him, but I think he's trying to nail down a 5A position. But great to have him on the air, and what a great bloke. Good bloke. Uh, TK, our next guest. Yeah, so we talk about it, the Summer Edition podcast. Make sure you get out there and like it on uh, Unsoundcloud and follow it. But this is actually a successful podcast. So talking with TK <laughs> is someone who interviews just some amazing guests he's had on there. Um, guys like um, Jeff, Jeff Fennick, Fennick um, Petro Cinevaceva, the list goes on. Um, what a great bloke. Nick, if, if you had one sportsman to podcast, you had five minutes to do it, who would you call on? Oh, my God. Um, not to put you on the spot. No, yeah, not at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd have to get someone like um, the classic storytellers, like your Dougie Walters and so on, those who uh, just have great telling a yarn. Up uh, after uh, TK, Rowan Anderson to talk all things NBL, and the NBL 
it's wound back the clock to the glory days. Shane Hill, Nathan Croswell and Leroy Loggins, step aside. It's the Bogut Show. Well, I pose it to Rowan. I reckon 15 years ago, Watsy, I don't think the NBA would have survived. There was only about four teams in it. No one cared. There was no TV coverage. And now you flick on SBS, you flick on ESPN. It's actually getting talked about. Um, yeah, it's, for sure. It was on its last legs. It was going. Yeah, it, it was dead, Nick. Oh, look, I've yeah. got no reservations. It was dead. It was mainly in Melbourne. Um, it was a second, fifth grade, eighth grade competition. And Rowan just tells us now it is back to where the glory days are on. And he also, if you're a bit of a punter, gives you a few tips. And Nick, this is something that I'm going to pose to you. <laughs> 1,000 kilometres exchanging 40 horses in the, Mo- uh, in the Mongol Derby. You may ask oh what that God. is. We talked to Shannon Cosser, who was the first runner-up in the uh, Rodeo Queen Australia. She's uh, turning her attention to endurance riding. She's already ridden in oh, Dubai. Wow. Uh, a great story. She was part of the Lockie Cosser show here at the Australian Stockman's Hall of Fame. Um, so she's uh, been on a horseback for as long as she can remember. But a great story, Nick. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, what a great effort by uh, Shannon to uh, do so well in the uh, Rodeo Queen quest. And yeah, oh my gosh, that sounds like an epic journey. Nick, <laughs> how, far we, how far could you get on a horse? Um, if I got on a horse, that'd be an achievement in itself. Right? I'm all about setting low bars and exceeding them. Well, mate, I'm, I'm looking at the car outside, the white unicorns on its last legs. I might dead set ride a horse around Longreach for the last couple of years of my, my stay here. It's a summer edition heard across the Resonate Network, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Scott Parkinson, our next guest. Pretty sure he's trying to see how many times you can drop Mung Beans in an edition of the summer edition. Hey, they're paying our way. Yeah, they're doing well, mate. We've got an absolute superstar and a local talent. We've got Kurt Mann on the line. Kurt, how are you, bud? Yeah, good, thanks, boys. How are you? Going yeah, well. Good, thanks, mate. Now, I was talking to big brother Joel uh, earlier this week, and he said you're real sulky uh, back at training. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been a um, pretty tough slog the first couple of weeks, you know. I don't think anyone really enjoys pre-season. Um, they're, they're long and they're pretty tough, but, you know, they're, they're sort of necessary evil for us at the moment. Can you take us behind the scenes on what a day in a pre-season looks like? What's in having a pre-season for, well, our entire lives, but what are you doing each day? What's it look like? Um, so like our week's pretty broken up. Like we've got a different different sort of thing happening each week. But uh, most mornings we're sort of in there about six thirty. We roll into the club. Um, we have breakfast supplied for us and that, which is pretty handy. So you can get up, go and have something to eat. Um, from there, you go into like a triage, which is like um, like a treatment. So if, if you've got an injury or something that needs assessing, they'll they'll bring in to see the physios and you'll get all that sort of stuff done and and prep for the field session. Uh, then from there, usually straight into the video room start doing your video, then straight out onto the field. And uh, our field sessions in pre-season are pretty long, so they've been going for about you know, two and a half hours some days, which is uh, about, I think we usually do about 10K. Wow. That's, that's our, our session. And then from there, they get about a, you get a good break after that. After that's finished, you've got uh, like a two-hour window to have lunch and sort of just kick your feet up for a bit and recover before your weight session in the afternoon. And uh, obviously, mate, uh, the Newcastle Knights probably underachieved a, a little bit last year. Um, 2020 is looking uh, pretty bright for you, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, last year, you know, we went through a pretty rough patch towards the back end of the year, especially after the form we showed sort of middle of the year there where we won probably seven straight, I think it was. And so I think we did sort of underachieve a little bit there. But uh, this year, you know, there's a whole new coaching staff. The place has got a really good feel about it. Um, you know, 
new coach that comes in, he's made a massive impact already on a lot of the boys. Mate, take us back to the start. Obviously, you're a Winton junior and uh, went away to school. Uh, give us a bit of uh, how it all transpired for you to make it as an NRL player. Yeah, I grew up out in um, Winton and went to school in Longridge as well, so I spent a bit of time between both, but uh, sort of got the chance to go to boarding school, which was um, probably the best thing I've ever done. You know, Mum sort of sacrificed a lot of things so I could do that. And, uh, yeah, my journey sort of started there. I went there and played a uh, bit of rep footy for Rockhampton and Capricornia and then made the Queensland under-15s when I was there and uh, yeah, got the Newcastle Knights were the club that actually signed me when I was 15 so I signed a four-year contract with the Knights when I was 15 and just finished my schooling at St Brendan in Newcastle and then from there moved straight to Newcastle played SG Paul and under-20s and then from the 20s I uh, got the chance to go to Melbourne when I was 19 so I still had another year left in my under-20s contract and got the chance to go to Melbourne and train full-time you know, with the likes of uh, Billy Cooper, Cameron, like some, some boys that you sort of idolised growing up. So I couldn't say no to that. And, uh, yeah, sort of done my apprenticeship down there under Bellamy. So that was a very good learning curve for me. Was your first stint at Newcastle, was uh, Bennett there in those days? Uh, so he, Bennett took over the, my second year here. Yeah, so I mean, you've you've played in the regime of probably two of the greatest coaches in our game. Um, any differences, or are they do things the same, or um, do you prefer one from the other? Um, oh, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time with Wayne Bennett because I was still in the, in the younger grade there most of the time. But um, with Bellamy, you know, his his record sort of speaks for itself. He's probably one of the best coaches to you know to to go around. So. Um, and the, the leadership group that they had at the Storm at the time was, was unreal too, so it was a real good crew to sort of do my apprenticeship under. And Kurt, you, when you made your NRL debut, it was for Melbourne, and you had a pretty big impact straight away. I think you scored the match-winning try. When do you start to feel comfortable as an NRL player? Obviously, after your first match, I guess the nerves are still there, but do you now feel like you, you've made it? Um, you know, I'm always sort of nervous before every game, but especially my first couple of games, you know, I was... I was I was 81 kilo centre playing up against Steve Maddai, who was pretty well known for some of the shots he put yeah. on. So I was pretty nervous going into that game. And then uh, the next game we played South Sydney as well, which is with the Burgess boys. And there was a stage there where they kicked the ball down and Greg Ingles picked it up and just ran straight at me too. So um, yeah, it didn't fare real well for me, but uh, I was sort of, you know, the nerves sort of, they don't go away, but um, you, know, you, you know what to expect, I guess. And you've been pretty versatile throughout your career, um, playing in many positions. Uh, wh- where's your preferred position? Uh, preferred position is probably five eight. Like a lot of the the best games I've played in the NRL, whether or not I was playing for the Dragons or playing for Newcastle, it's been when I've been playing um, in the six. So uh, that's kind of the plan for me this year is to you know, to focus on that. Whereas in other years, you know, I've been sort of I don't get the chance to focus on one thing and. And that, but this year the the coach has been really good with me. He said he wants me to just pick one one job and, and focus on that. So hopefully, you know, I can put my hand up for that job. And Kurt, congratulations! You became a father this year as well. Um, how's fatherhood going and juggling being an NRL player with a young baby at home? Uh, surprisingly, it's been pretty good. Um, I think we've got a. Everyone says we've got a really good baby. You know, uh, the last two nights we've put him down at nine o'clock and he slept all the way to five in the morning. So. I can't complain about that, but <laughs> I don't do much anyway, you know, there's not, not a whole lot I can do, so um, it's been pretty cruisy at the moment. 
Now, on the summer edition, we like to ask our uh, guests a question on parting, mate. Now, I know one of your favourite feeds anywhere is a full crumb steak at the Longreach RSL. <laughs> Just give oh. the business a bit of a plug. Yep. But uh, we like to ask our guests the three top things they like to throw on a barbie. Throw on a barbie. Um, definitely a T-bone steak. Be one. Um, I don't mind cooking, like, tomato on the barbecue as well. Yep, good option. And skewers. The skewers I get from the butcher shop just down the road here, unreal. Thanks, mate, and uh, thanks for your contribution to the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network, and all the best for the pre-season and the 2020 season. Cheers, mate. Thank you. It's the summer edition uh, heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country, Scott. Yeah, Watsy, I mean, the guests just keep getting bigger. I know we both think that we've got a successful podcast. We're actually talking to someone who does have a successful podcast. <laughs> More than double figures listeners. Um, host of the successful podcast, Talking With TK, Tristan Cannell. How are you, bud? Doing really well. Congrats on the new show, boys. Thanks for inviting me on, too. Oh, no worries, yeah, mate. Right. Anytime. It's a pleasure, mate. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast. Yeah, Talking With TK. So, interviewing probably the legends and the current stars of Australian and New Zealand sports, Pretty much the podcast journey started about four years ago. I had another podcast. It was called the Vision Board Podcast, which started in the bunker of, uh, of a gym, Fitness First, here in Sydney. So it was just with one of my friends at the time. It was also, I was personal training at the time, and it was just an idea that kind of came out of that. But yeah, from there, it started reaching out. One of my friends, he was good friends with Jeff Fennick, and he introduced me to Jeff, and then that kind of gave me a little bit of credibility to start reaching out to a few other people, and... Yeah, from there it, it got a little bit crazy. I got to talk to people like George Foreman and Layla Ali and wow. all sorts of great people from America. And even back in Australia, you know, people like Wayne Beachley, Chuck Mundine, Jonathan Thurston. So it did, you know, that, that platform from being able to talk to Jeff first was, was something that really helped me be able to reach out to all these other people over time. And, you know, it's been so much fun just reaching out to people that I admired for their sporting sporting journeys across their whole life that just get to know them on like a personal level too like just you know it's great as sports we all sports lovers but I like all the backstories and I think that's that's what I like more just hearing the backstories and how they did it more than kind of the the sporting story, if you get what I mean. Yeah, mate, you've got something that we don't have yet, and that's credibility. <laughs> I tell you oh, what, you we, I've, got a, I've got a strike policy here. <laughs> we send out text messages. It's it's quite tough, too, to, to get your lead in, and, um, you know, week after week, you uh, you try and make the connections, and it's quite hard. But as you said, it starts to evolve after time. Yeah, big time. It's just, I think people don't realise. I think sometimes people think we do this as a full-time living. Like, it's not really the case at all. I've got a full-time job, and and I still go to university as well, so trying to fit it all in, it is quite a task. It's, I've become really good at time management through it all, but yeah, it's one of those things that it's a great, I, I still call it a hobby. Hopefully down the track it won't, it'll be bigger than just a hobby, but at the moment it's my side project slash hobby, but yeah, it's pretty amazing to be able to, to reach out and connect with some of these people and to be given a bit of time by some people that you know, generally would probably charge hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars. You know, I'm very, very respectful of their time and quite appreciative also for them coming on the show. And we spoke to the great Alan Thomas last week who's just started up his uh, podcast, The Sports Whisperer, and he, yep. uh, he mentioned that he's penned 300 stories. Um, have you got a few more yeah. in the pipeline? Yeah, definitely. So we're just in the... I'm just kind of planning season four. So I probably won't bring it out till the end of... I'm oh, sorry, the start of next year. It's just... This year's just been huge just with bringing the book out as well and 
had a couple of seasons. Like I think I did about 40 podcasts already this year. So it was quite a lot of work, especially when I, just, I mentioned before I still got uni as well. So I'm quite happy with what I've done for this year. And like even the planning thing, I just started reaching out to people again. And people are excited to come on the show for next year, which is which is pretty amazing. So Tristan, you've, you've spoken a few of your guests that you've had on. Is there someone that stands out? Um, and sometimes it's that you get that bit of that awe factor. You're talking to someone that you've grown up, you know, supporting, watching. Is there someone that stands out to you as your favourite guest? They're probably not yeah. listening, so you can <laughs> you can say that. They'll be talking about. They'll be listening to great Andrew Edding. He's a great Andrew Edding house. He'll be he'll be on there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up as a shark supporter. I still am a shark supporter from about four years old. And my walls used to be just lined with, with posters of Andrew Edding house, and I try to copy his. His running style probably wasn't as fast as the great ET, though, but he's a, he's a great dude. He's always, even when I was younger, I remember meeting him when I was nine years old, 10 years old, 16 years old. He's always been very generous with his time. And yeah, I got him for a couple of shows, got him one for the podcast. And then at the time, I was doing a bit of stuff with the Cronulla Sharks, and we had a fantasy footy show that he popped in the studio for as well at the Sharky's Leaf Club, which was great. So yeah, probably ET. And, you know, he's just. He's just a very kind person and, you know, all his achievements on and off the field. It's quite inspiring that, you know, he was probably the first kind of media guy, I reckon, from from NRL sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, Fatty and Fatty and Sturlow did it quite well as well, but I think E.T. was a little bit before them and then he transitioned and he's held it quite full-time for the entire amount. So, yeah, he's done a real good job both on and off the field, I reckon. And, TK, one of the things you do is you've just started, you do a few videos as well. You do a few video... Um your video, your podcast, and I mean, that's something that we can't do, because what's in our we interview guests, we put our hands up when we want to speak <laughs> like school kids, but when you're, um, when you're chatting to someone, I find I always get a little bit nervous, because um, yeah. you don't know what, I mean, we're ringing a phone line, we don't know what the person on the end of the phone's going to be like, is there anyone that you kind of went in with a bit of a, um, you had your thought of what they would be like, and they actually surprised you, um, you know, maybe in a positive way? Yeah, big time, Willie really Tonga, actually, we've become good mates out of it as well, like, Willie really opened up to me, like, originally we were only going to do, like, an hour podcast or something, and it ended up being, like, two and a half hours. He's poor. I didn't know his missus actually was sitting out the front waiting for him. She t- told her it was only be an hour. She's waiting there for nearly three hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Willie and me were just, even after the show, we were just yarning. We just always got along. We just clicked. And he just opened up to me and just told me some stories that he had never shared with anyone in his whole life, like, through, obviously, obviously he just retired, so... He's done a fair bit of media, so it was good. We just, yeah, it was one of those things we just clicked. Like, I'd known, I'd met Willie through some other players, and, you know, I'd known of him, and everyone speaks so highly of him, but I didn't realise how intelligent he was going to be. And not only that, just, yeah, he was just really down to earth. Yeah, like I said, we just clicked, and that was one of my favourite podcasts, and we didn't know we did three hours, so his poor missus is out the front. (laughs) Hopefully the window was down. <laughs> now, yeah, well, I told him. You could have just told me. I would have let it, you know, told her to come in. She could have just, you know, just been chilling out while we were in the podcast room. She could have just been watching TV and having some snacks or something. <laughs> uh, TK, um, you've mentioned a few of the big guests you've had in your time thus far. Mate, do you have a dream guest that, that you'd love to uh, interview and spend some time with? Yeah, dream guest. Maybe Daniel Ricciardo. He seems pretty cool. Mm. So... Probably him or, you know what, I might, even though it is sport, I would go off the, the cuff to do Sylvester Stallone, but yep. he, would have, he would have to be Rocky. He can't be Sylvester. <laughs> That's uh, Scott. Scott would love to do uh, Schwarzenegger so he could trade lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do the, the lines, Scotty. 
Oh, you know, I've been known to across the network. So, um, yeah, it's going to make a pay gig, mate. I don't, I don't do it for free. But no, Stallone would be amazing. I think that's um, that's definitely a great bucket list. Mate, we can't thank you enough for your, your contribution this afternoon. And if you haven't listened to it, um, get out there and download it on iTunes, SoundCloud. It's available everywhere. Talking with TK. Um, in the book as well, mate, it's a credit to yourself. Um, and I know it's a passion project, but, mate, it's outstanding work you do. So, Tristan, thank you for your time. No, I appreciate it, boys, and all the best with the show. And just let me know any time I'll happily stop on. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. It's the summer edition uh, heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And of course, each and every week, Scott, it's powered by the Australian Mung Bean Association. And how good are mung beans? Let's be honest, you don't use them enough at the RSL. What's the only to be more of your recipes? Well, I, you know, I've got to be an advocate for mung, mung beans, but they're quite fiddly. Yeah, well, I don't, let's move on mung beans and let's get on to basketball. And I'll tell you what, Oregon's one of the best NBL seasons we've had and to get us uh, all our heads all around it we've got Rowan Anderson um, a writer for the Pick and Roll podcast and an absolute basketball tragic Rowan how are you mate good boys how you doing yeah going well now Rowan top of the table Sydney Kings mate they're a team that often promise a lot and under deliver uh, much like myself really um, mate are they a premiership certainty or do you think there's someone else that can challenge them uh I think I think they're going to go well. Uh, I think the um, revelation of you know um, Dilo Goods are pretty much um, is going to push them. Uh, Bogut's there doing the little one percenters as well as he always does. I think last year um, what we saw Bogut bring into the league is you know vital um, for the the you know growth and progression of the league and the sport in in, in Australia. But I think um, I think Sean Long is going to have something to say when it comes to playoff time as well. Um, I think he's a lock for MVP. Um, I'm willing to say it now. You just have to look at his stats. Can we get a price think, on that? Um, <laughs> sorry? Can we get a price on that? I, I think I was looking at it before. I think he was just give me a second. I've got it in front of me now. I think he's at the moment. He's 450 at the wow. moment. Good value. Um, for for favouritism there, yeah, 450. Where are you, li- um, where are you, where are you, where are you from? Because the listeners of the West will probably hunt you down now if he gets beat. Nah, <laughs> oh, I'm in Brisbane. I'm in Brisbane. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's all good. But, yeah, Sean Long's 450. Bryce Cotton. Um, is, is right behind him at 550, and Mitch Creek um, is doing what he does, locked in at the 550 as well. So um, Bogut's nowhere to be seen, um, surprisingly enough. But, yeah, those those four boys are going to push it along with Casper um, now that he's, he's at Sydney. So I think it's going to be a tight race. But Sean Long is just doing what he needs to do, and I think um, the past few games he's really pulled Melbourne out of the tight spot, um, along with Golding as well. So I think, um, you know... Parker, it's not it's not a lock for for them to, to take the, take the championship, but I think um, you know in terms of competition, I'm a boards, you know you know how I am on boards, tragic, but um, hopefully we can we can get sort sort out our issues and and be there and come playoffs, but it's a long way to go. But I think um, you know those two two squads are going to be there fighting it out in the end. Let's look at the markets. The Sydney Kings are your favourite at two eighty. The second line of betting Melbourne United at three fifteen. Five dollars for the Perth Wildcats. South East Melbourne Phoenix at seven dollars. Ten dollars for your Brisbane Bullets and uh, write your own ticket. The rest. Do you see it as a match in five four or less? I reckon I, if it's the Kings and United, I think it'll be a, a match in three. Um, you know, I think both of those squads have what it takes and, and the pieces to to really push it. Um, Wesley, you know, is a, is a player that can be relied upon as well. Um, he's out injured for Phoenix at the moment, but I think if he comes back, um, he can really, um, you know, put, push the squad back into into contention as well. Hey, Ron, we're similar age, and I look back 10 years ago, and it was probably a matter of, 
you know, whether the NBL would still be here um, in 10 years. It was really struggling. There was a few little uh, rule changes in terms of imports, but I look at the league now, um, and it probably kicked off last year, but this year, it's just gone from strength to strength. I look at Lamelo Ball, one of the great, you know, college recruits, uh, potentially, but probably will be in the NBA draft uh, next season. Um, RJ Hampton for the uh, New Zealand Breakers as well is another a really great prospect with NBA dreams. Is this the best season the NBL's had in terms of its marketing, in terms of its, you know, its fans, um, all those sort of things? It seems to be going from strength to strength. I think last year really pushed it with Bogey coming back, and you know we can just look at the figures through the gates, um, and you know eyes on the screens when it comes to TV audiences as well. And then you pile on those boys, as you said, you know, you, you mentioned Lamelo. He's phoned up at $5 odds to be number one NBA draft pick. So I think, you know, um, put the house on it, I'd say, because, you know, um, he, he's shown what he can do amongst men and he's, he's a young kid, you know. So I think, um, you know, at $5, I'd be willing to take that as well. Um, you know, I was at the, the Armory, which is the, the Bullets' new home base at Nathan the other day, and um, that place is amazing. Um, it's the old, the, the Netball Centre, the new Netball Centre, I miss an arena. So I think, um, you know, when we have stadiums like this cropping up, as well as this season, we had the Phoenix showing what um, South East Melbourne wants in the in squad. We have massive names like Creek coming. Um, you know, a good old mate of mine, Imagine, um, doing what he does. You know, the old goat, um, showing what he can do on the hard court. I think, you know, um, based off last year, it's, it's even, got, it's even you know, burned better. Um, we had the boys go overseas and, you know, they came back after, um, you know, struggling against the greater squads. But I think um, with a full squad, we can really push it at the Olympics come next year as well on a rep level. Round 7 continues this week, Rowan. Uh, last night, obviously, the Adelaide 36ers and Perth Wildcats did battle. The first of tonight's games, a Melbourne derby with the Melbourne United favourites to t- uh, beat Melbourne Phoenix. Your thoughts? With uh, Phoenix and Melbourne, um, throw down part three. That's always a good battle, you know, based off the, the other two games that we've had between those two squads, um, cross-city cross rivals. I think, um, you know, looking at the odds on that game, Melbourne United have cracked in at 121 favourites against um, Phoenix at 293. I think that's a bit rough, um, looking at what the Phoenix have in the ranks. And, you know, um, then my boys um, travel up north for the Sunshine, Sh- Sunshine Showdown um, against the Taipans, and Bullets are just um, favourites, um, you know, slightly there. So I think... Against a Taipan squad, you, 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 never net, you never know what you get when you get to Cairns either. Um, the Bullets have to sort out what happened last week against the Kings. Um, you know, they really, they led by, I think it was 22 points at the end of the, the, the first quarter. Um, and then into the um, half-time break, they were still leading and then they just fell to pieces come third quarter. Um, so, you know, you, you can't really um, put, put take the foot off the pedal when it comes to the Kings. And then, you know, you had Hodjo as well get fouled out. Um, so there's just little, little um, you know, issues there that we really have to tighten up um, to have any chance deeper into the season. Um, but I think, you know, um, I, I'd be willing to back uh, Phoenix on that one uh, against United, especially at those odds of the 293, uh, wrapped in with the, the bullets, you know, my boys, um, to take the, take the V and can. And the two games on Sunday looked, um, uh, Sydney Kings look easy winners over the Hawks and I'd say the Perth Wildcats will be too good for the Breakers. But your thoughts on the Monday game with the Phoenix backing up against the 36ers? And as you said there, the, the Phoenix there are 140 uh, against the 36ers, 292. Um, you know, there's, there's a young guy, Obi, Kai, uh, Obi Shea, um, who's debuting for the, the 36ers this season. Um, he played uh, the, the Queensland Basketball League, um, you know, state level. Um, for my local squad, the Logan Thunder, last season. 
and he's, he's a good guy. The Thunder. He's a name. Go to Thunder. So he's a name to watch. You know. So I think um, they'll be tight, but I think the Phoenix have too much too much fight um, amongst the ranks there. Hey Rowan, mate, you're a passionate man, and I'm, you've given a few tips out this afternoon. So if you're there, right, we'll have to get you back on. But as always, That's we say sure. gamble responsibly. Rowan, thank you so much for joining the summer edition this afternoon. We'll have to talk to you again soon. Awesome, mate. Thanks a lot, boys. And it is the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. All thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And it's powered by the Australian Mung Bean Association. Scott, we can't get enough mung beans. Oh, how good are mung beans? And we talked about them in the previous. I'm looking for the best mung bean recipe. If you know one, you have to put it on the Facebook site. The summer edition, which likes are going through the roof, Watsy. Now, our next guest um, certainly had a... a a bit of a journey. She uh, resided here in Longreach where she started her journey as the Australian Rodeo Queen where she ended up as first runner-up. Shannon Cossa, good afternoon. Hello. Now, first of all, Shannon, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the ride as the Australian uh, Rodeo Queen. Uh, Australian Rodeo, uh, Rodeo Queen of Australia. I raised money for 12 months um, towards the Queen Quest. Um yeah. To win Rodeo Queen of Australia, or to go in it, you have to be involved in rodeoing and um, that, and it's called a like a beauty contest, contest as well. Yep. Um, I went in it, um, it was my first year. Um, I had a lot of sponsors. I had Irvine um, up in Queensland, Tough Rock Australia, um, Kent Salary, all different sponsors helping me get there. Um, I yeah, spent a week in Queensland um, doing public speaking, um, promoting rodeos in Australia. Yep. And yeah, ended up first runner up, which was pretty awesome. Can you give us the top three rodeos that you attended? Um, I went to the Dolby National Finals um, up in Queensland. I come down to the Warwick APRA rodeo and. Um, Longreach Rodeo, I attended there as well. Now, Shannon, um, away from the rodeo scene, um, anybody that's been to the Australian Stockman's Hall of Fame might have seen you uh, in part of as part of your dad's uh, horseman show. We saw you at the Longreach uh, show here as well. Obviously, you've been uh, involved with horses probably for as long as you can remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, grew up on horses, and I've just been basically my whole life. Hey, Shannon, just recently you've um, just been accepted into the Mongol Derby. Can you just explain what the Mongol Derby is? Yep, so the Mongol Derby is a thousand kilometre race across the Mongol oh, Sea. <laughs> yeah, so it takes, you've got a maximum of 10 days for the race. Um, every 40 kilometres you change horses. Um, so there's about 28, you ride about 28 horses in the race. Um, there's vet checks along the race, and um, the horses are semi-wild. <laughs> That's where the rodeo skills come in. Jeez, I'd be semi-wild <laughs> if someone tried to walk me a thousand kilometres. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Um, and Shannon, with that, they call it the longest and toughest horse race in the world. How do you prepare for that? Like, What sort of training will you go into to get ready for this race? So at the moment, uh, as work, I train um, Arab long-distance races. So I'm training horses about 
20 k's a day each horse. So I've, I ride about 80 k's a day wow. already. Yep. Um, training Arabians to race endurance. So I think in the physical part, I'm pretty fit enough for the days. Um, however, I think mentally will be so difficult. So I think that's what I've got to prepare most on. And I think doing long days at work on horses is going to prepare myself for that. And Shan, it's not um, your fir- it's not your first trip overseas. Obviously, um, I think it was just when you left school you went to um, Dubai. Yeah, so straight after school I went over to Dubai. Eighteen years old on my own. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was a tough gig over there, but looking back on it now, three years later, I enjoyed like it made who I am today. Um, I got third in the President's Cup, which was a hundred and sixty kilometre race. Yep. Um, and there was about 300 horses in it. Um, racing over there is just unreal. You're racing 160Ks, doing about 25 kilometres an hour on a horse. Um, it just changes your whole um, aspect on a horse and their heart rate and how they can race that fast, that fast. And I think with all of that will come a lot in handy with the Mongol Derby, which will be my next adventure. Shannon, it sounds like you've already done a fair few things. Is there something still left on the bucket list? Oh, there's always the next level. <laughs> but to get through the Mongol Derby and just to get through it will be my next goal. I think, no, I, I, they'll come, they'll come. I just... <laughs> Take one step at a time. Work it out later. Geez, gee whiz, we tried to get you on the back of a thoroughbred. Yeah, well, growing up, all I wanted to be was a jockey. Yep. <laughs> and I was too deep, but now I've got these better, amazing opportunities popping up everywhere, yeah. Shannon, you're certainly a goer, and um, good luck with your future ventures, and obviously congratulations uh, with your journey so far. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. Welcome back to the second hour of the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4LG Hot Country, 4GC, 4LM, 4HI, 4ZR and of course 4VL in Charleville. And uh, Paco, well, I've ducked out, I'll put the tuxedo on. And it's going to be the first edition of the Summer Edition Awards. So these are the awards we're going to give out. Now, it's Summer Edition, which goes across a few regional places. Um, so we try to give them a regional theme. And I mean, the drought's not something we want to joke about. But the first award is the longest drought, the longest sporting drought. Who's your award winner, What's he? Well, uh, let's cross over to Nick. <laughs> well, or just in general. Um, well, of course, Queensland had a very long drought. Uh, in the Sheffield Shields, we've broken a few times, but uh, so I did say Tasmania now must hold that record. They're still to break their duck. Scott? And uh, I don't see it happening this year. Well, <laughs> I look at the drought, mate. My longest drought's the Wallabies, and I know they oh, have yeah, won a, a Tri-Nations. I know they've you won... You broke one of the other ones. They... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for congratulating me on that. Um, but no, for me, the Wallabies, they are now ranked six in the world. Um, I think it's disgusting. I think we pride ourselves on being a sporting nation. And the Wallabies is something we used to look up to. Mate, they need to pick themselves up off the canvas oh, sure. because they need to win something in 2020. Otherwise, rugby is going to just go out the back door like basketball would have done 15 years ago. Now, this is a purely test-focused response to this question. I want to see Dave Warner hit the ground running <laughs> this, <laughs> this uh, test series. I want to see him belt the packies from 
backside to breakfast, uh, tons left, right and centre, because when he's on fire, test cricket's alive. People, yeah. they love watching him. They love his wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, he's a he's a bloke that puts bums on seats. Love him or hate him, you know, yeah. it, you, you will sit back and watch in awe of, of David Warner. The pressure Warner. is right on him, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. And yeah, don't be fooled. The, the pressure is right on him. We talk to Jack Fuller later. We'll get to that. Yep. And a uh, cricketing expert and... He suggests, you know, this summer is his last chance as a test cricketer. If he fails and averages below 30, I think, look out. Great answers, both of you. The next one, now this one's a bit of a, an abstract one. If you go outside in the Central West, you're going to sit on a hot seat. So I want to know which athlete or coach is currently, it's called the Hot Seat Award. Who's on the hot seat, Nick? <laughs> like Eddie oh. McGuire? <laughs> and you have a minute um, to answer. <laughs> I reckon... Um Seabolt, I think, is, uh, like they now said, all bets are off. It's all your show uh, for next year. Like they said, you know, no restrictions. It's all whatever you want, you get. So if the Broncos don't fire in 2020, they might start firing coaches. It's a great point, Nick. It's a great point because he's asked for a bit more control. He's now got it. So the Mm. buck now stops with him. There's no more Bennett Blaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold Coast Sport. Great is on the is on the ropes. The Titans, or we've renamed them the Skunks. They, they are. It's in, a metal seat with no cover. <laughs> it couldn't be hotter. It is terrible. And the and the Suns. The Western fans. <laughs> and the Gold Coast Suns. Horrible. Um, yeah. Look, they've poured so money, much money, both codes into these sides who are just perennial underachievers. Uh, we want to see the Gold Coast. There's no reason. It's a myth. It's it's this all around them. They say sport doesn't work on the Gold Coast. Why? Mm. Yeah. Let's break the rule. They they've got the money. They've had the money. Time for results, Gold Coast. You know, mine. mine's a bit of a weird one. I'm going Wayne Bennett. Now, for oh. me, Wayne Bennett for a while, people have said, does he still have the nous to coach in today's game or has the game passed him by? Now, I know the Rabbitohs went a game away from the grand final, but they still failed. The Broncos used to do the same thing. He's just been sacked as the England coach. I think if the Rabbitohs fail this year, I think Bennett will, will, will not coach anymore, and I think that's him lost for the game. Final, mm. a final award for this And the section. final award, there's no real abstract here. There's a place that we live near called Alpha. Who's your ultimate Alpha in the sporting world? And suge- this is because the Alpha is the number one race meeting in, in the country. And also a place where I've lost keys. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Baxter. And, and, and dignity. <laughs> Great magazine was the Alpha Sport magazine. Anyway, Nick. Scott Parkinson. Uh, Ultimate Alpha Scott Cabinger. Parkinson, yes. Scott, no, Scott Parkinson's scavenger hunt throughout the Central West is going to be bringing in crowds for years to come. It's like um, the hunt for the Yowie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a Loch Ness monster. Um, I'm going to say Viv Richard. I've never seen anyone just dominate the second he stepped on a field and until he stepped off it. Uh, yeah, he was just the ultimate alpha. There was, you could not dominate him. I'm going, yeah, I'm going current alpha, and I think James Tedesco. I think uh, talk of players and athletes at the top of their game. Well, he's there. He's at the top of the tree uh, for the Roosters. He was the shining light for the New South Wales Origin side. And if you had him in your fantasy team, he was a points machine. Oh, he was. Now, I've actually done something I have never done before for radio. That's done research <laughs> for my alpha, uh, Steve Smith. You look at his figures oh, in the yeah, ashes, yeah. 774 runs, Ooh. an average of over 110, three centuries, double centuries, 50s. This man came back and came back in a big way. That The whole of the Australian sporting world was watching him. 
let's be honest, you know, 12 months ago, we didn't want anything to do with Steve Smith. He had a lot of hearts and minds to change. And now he's just recently signed with a big bash side. He is now the flavour of the month again. It all comes down to his alphaism. We talk about great country athletes and there's none bigger or better than Adrian Vowles, our first guest this hour. And I mean, not just a a great guest, but just a pioneer. I mean, we talk about Kurt Mann. You know, the Kurt Manns, the Matt Scotts. I mean, Adrian Vowles was one of the first people to do it from such an isolated place such as Charleville. And what he does is gives back to rugby league and a fantastic bloke. You talk isolation, we talk fitness. Joy McClimate joins us from Off The Track Training, a great innovation to help people in remote areas get fit and look after themselves. And you notice she kept saying, Parco, stop giving me excuses. <laughs> so I think Joy must know me pretty well. Um, I think she's seen me in the carbohydrates aisle down at IGA um, and really judge what's going in my trolley. But Nick, this is something that might interest you, a bit of off-the-track training. Well, yeah, I mean, that, um, obviously, yeah, in my lifetime, yeah, the gym was sort of where very fanatical people would go to absolute mainstream over the last you know, 30 years or something. And it's been an incredible transformation. People are finding new ways to find new different exercises. People who don't like gyms or don't like this have got particular um, issues that may be physical, may be psychological, whatever. And uh, it's great to see people catering for that. And we're going to call the next section the Backstrom Baby from the stands, Nick. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, it's getting funny how uh, those people who uh, are passionate about their sport, they may not be recognised experts, but, uh, you know, they know their stuff and they love to chat. And that is Jack Fuller from Sports... Uh Barco. Yeah, sports, one of the great programs. Bit annoyed that he actually did it before we did. I think it was a, an idea that was probably sitting there that we could have probably stolen. But I tell you what, if you haven't had a look at sports, you need to get on there and subscribe. It's, it's absolutely entertaining stuff. It, it's a summer edition. Heard across the Resonate Network, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. It's a summer edition heard across the Resonate Network, uh, across 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country, Scott. Yeah, what's well, here? We're joined by an absolute legend um, of rugby league. We've got Adrian Vows. How are you, Adrian? Very good, boys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Now, mate, I guess the first question is, you know, growing up, I know you were born in Cunnamulla, but then grew up in Charleville. Um, how did you make your, your debut in, in Charleville League? I heard you played against a few older heads. Yeah, I was um, 16. I was playing the low roads at 16 when I made my A-grade debut for railways against uh, August Eller actually and yeah there's a lot of a lot of uh, hard heads back there I was just a very skinny 16 year old playing halfback and uh, was pre-warned a couple of days before that, that I was going to get bashed so <laughs> that made it even made it even more nervous but I was lucky I had some um, very very tough men around me and uh, Jeff Wade and the Gligas brothers and uh, you know, Shrek Anderson, a few of these older heads that wouldn't let anyone um, get too close to me, which is good. And, mate, there's some great old stories. I love the old stories of bush footy uh, back in the day, and obviously that stood you in good stead to, to take the next step. How did you get noticed uh, for, for your next level of football? Uh, oh, a bit of a long journey, actually. I I left Charleville in 1988 when I finished school, so I'd had an... I, or he had an apprenticeship lined up on the Gold Coast as a cabinet maker, so basically as soon as school finished, I hopped on the, uh, I think it might have been the Scanners bus or the Greyhound bus back then, and um, went to the Gold Coast, uh, and then started work the next day, basically. So I then um, went and played for Tweed Seagulls, under 19, and um, 
now I got there, so mum knew I'm the chairman there, you know, through over the years, and I went and uh, played there and had a really good year, and then trialled with the Gold Coast Seagulls, who were getting an under-21 side in 1991, but but in 1990 they were going to play a couple of games against Sydney clubs and play some trial games early on to pick the squad and then play a couple of Sydney clubs and basically I had a good year, got selected for that. We played a couple of trials against local Gold Coast teams. I just started off the bench and then we played the Gold Coast Group 18 rep side this day and Steve Rogers, the legend, Steve Rogers was coaching the Gold Coast Group 18. They're an A grade, they're a men's side. And I was on the bench, we'd warmed up, I sat on the bench. He came over to our coach, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers came over to our coach and said, oh, our 5'8 hasn't turned up, can you lend us a player? <laughs> so my coach said, yeah, take him. Very quickly said, take him, which is me. I was stoked, Steve Rogers was my idol. Um, I couldn't believe it. I got to play against my, my teammates. So I scored two tries and set three tries up. And I... From that game, I got a trial against the Brisbane Broncos in reserve grade next week, uh, the week after for the Gold Coast Seagulls, and had a good game and got a contract. It's amazing how uh, just just that slight opening of the door, you've got to make it count. Mate, that led to your uh, debut for the Gold Coast. Yeah, so I played three years of lower grade, so three years of reserve grade and under 21s, and back then you sat on the bench. You played reserve grade, sat on the bench in first grade. So in three years, I sat on the bench for first grade over 20 times and never got on. And then 93, I made my debut um, in the Tui's Challenge against Jared McCracken. There you go, Stan. Yeah, so I had a really good year. But yeah, I had to had to bide my time and sometimes question whether I was doing the right thing. But glad I did. And Adrian, when you say question, I mean, it's probably a story that you could probably hear from a few football players, you know, making your debut in you know, those early 20s. Is there a time, like, what keeps you motivated to keep trying? Because, I mean, sitting on the bench, you know, you said 20 occasions, it must be pretty hard. Yeah, it was. I guess I just loved playing footy and, um, you know, you'd, you'd sort of go, you know, why, why can't I get an opportunity? I mean, we were playing Parramatta one day, getting thrashed 60 by 60 points and it was against Sterling, Kenny, all those players and um, you know all, all I wanted was five minutes you know and I, don't, I, don't, I can never understand why they wouldn't just bludge you then you know just to give you a chance and, but yeah, I'm glad I did you know I'm glad I had to wait because that I worked harder each year and got better each year and you know I think sometimes that after all hard times come good times. And uh, we're on the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network to, talking to Adrian Vowles. Adrian, one of the highlights definitely for, uh, definitely 94 Origin. Yeah, that was amazing. You know, I, I, and I've told the story before, but I, I sat in the kitchen at a house in Kalamala and listened to that first Origin game on the wireless with Dad and, you know, he explained to me about New South Wales always winning with the Queensland players. And anyway, I listened to that game and I, I said to myself then and there, one day I'll play for Queensland. And, you know, in 1994, I got the opportunity. Steve Renouf failed a fitness test and I got called in. And, you know, and Mal, Mal Meninga was the captain, Wally was the coach, and Chris Post was the manager. And all three were part of that first game. So yeah. Amazing. When you go into your first origin, obviously you're going for a team win, but do you see yourself individual goals as well? 
Mine would be just not to stuff up, I think. If I were any <laughs> debut at any level, mine would be no mistakes. But do you see yourself little individual things that you want to do in that game? Oh, very similar. Yeah, I think I, I think I stepped, yeah, I didn't want to let anyone down. I know that. And, you know, you've got all these legends around and you don't, last thing you want to do is make a mistake. Remember I dropped the ball and uh, it was a bad pass, but I dropped the ball and I just went, oh, it's the worst feeling, but, you know, it happens. But you just, yeah, you don't want to let anyone down. I think that's, that's the thing and you want people to, you know, want you there. So that was the, probably my main goal. Mate, you, um, after Origin, you went to the Cowboys and you ended up playing over in England. You've made that transition from player to coach. How difficult has that transition been? Oh, I think you learn a lot of lessons. It's funny with, um, you come across people in rugby league that who think they know it all, which I, I find that really funny, be it players or coaches, because I'm, you know, 48 and I'm still learning the game now still learning lots of little things and you get plenty of people who, who think they know it all about the game which I, I sort of I don't laugh out loud but I laugh inside because it's so it's a simple game but there's always little things you can learn and I think if you're always willing to learn you, you're, you're going to go okay but coaching's all about and I'll go back to that railway side in 88 we had a, I had a coach called Jeff Wade he was my under 17 coach and that A grade coach and he was a, a great mentor of, of, of people and I was lucky I had him, I had my father as a coach who was the same and a bloke called Jockey Jones my first coach in Columbus. they were great people person and knew how to get the best out of how to manage people and I think that's the key you got different egos, you got you know everyone reacts differently we all learn differently I think that's the key. And I guess also, Tommy, going through those experiences as a player obviously will help you when you're managing those players as a coach, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, you know, you know every excuse under the book. You know, <laughs> yeah. the key is if, if uh, you know, someone's a bit off, there's a reason they're off, you know. And I think being a professional footballer is a little bit easier because when people have to go to work, and then go to training. Well, you don't know what sort of day they've had at work in terms of have they been lugging concrete around all day? Have they had a, you know, what have they done? I think being professional, it's a lot easier to track players and what they do. So that certainly helps. Mate, you've got your name put to the under-14s uh, uh, competition in Charleville, the Adrian Bowles Cup. How much does it mean to you to have a... a, a Cup named after you, and of course a junior cup where it's all so important. It starts at grassroots, and the and the competition itself is going ahead in leaps and bounds. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Myself and one of my best mates, Sean Radney, the mad butcher in Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> Old Zorro, he, Dunn's uh, butchery. <laughs> Zorro, Dunn's butchery. He, uh, we we started that, and just to uh, just it was, he rang me one day and we talked about it. Okay, we did it. Like I said, we had three teams, three under 14 teams. Now we've got 20, 25 under 14, all up, 25 under 14, under 16, and then we'll have more girls teams this year as well. And it's, it's amazing. Like it really is. We, we just kick ourselves. Mate, um, just, just a quick one here. Um, Zorro often talks, well, he actually doesn't. He's very humble about his footy career. He wasn't a bad footballer himself. Well, he's got better. Like we all know, he's got a hell of a lot better as, as time goes on. Uh, <laughs> The that stories get better, better too. You wouldn't believe it, but when we were in primary school, uh, Zorro was a really fast runner. Uh, and it was always 
when I moved the child was between me and him in the 100 metres and I'd be beating him and then his mother used to just yell out and get up him and then he'd, he'd zoom past me and win the 100 all the time but he used to be a centre and then he very quickly moved into the front row ring. We probably could have a, um, a Vowles versus Radnich 100 metre dash at half time in the grand final of the Vowles Cup. Oh, got him easy. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could I could beat him on one leg. <laughs> Mate, he's going to take that part where you said that he used to beat you. That's going to be his new ringtone, I reckon. <laughs> hey, um, we, uh, mate, you've been very generous with your time, Adrian, but I guess uh, one thing on the summer edition, I mean, summer's all about barbecues, and we've just mentioned the, the mad butcher in Charleville. So could you just tell us, what are three things that you love to throw on the barbecue, your top three? My, uh, my homemade wristles. See and brilliant. A lamb chop. Love a lamb chop. And you can't beat them. Well, you're a man after our hearts, Adrian. Thank you very much, Adrian Vells, for your time and contribution to the Summer Edition Heard Across the Resonate Network. It's the Summer Edition Heard Across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And it's proudly powered by the Australian Mung Bean Association, Scott. And look, you and I, we uh, head to the gym every now and then. But we'll look for excuses as well. And I think our next guest, Watsy, gives us no excuses. Uh, from Off The Track Training, Joy McClymont, good afternoon. Hi, how are you going? We're going good. Now, just tell us a little bit about Off The Track Training. Well, it's a virtual health and fitness program, essentially online, that's designed to reach anyone living anywhere. So even you two can't come up with an excuse <laughs> not to exercise, basically. Um, there was just this barrier about trying to stay motivated and get some health and fitness advice when you lived remotely or you had poor internet speed and activity and you didn't understand that people didn't have gyms in the backyard and they had no access to trainers or equipment, so off-the-track training was established. So, Joy, when you talk about not access to equipment, like sometimes we think of gyms as these things full of barbells and dumbbells and all sorts of machines that none of us know how to use, but it's just as simple as finding things around the house that you can use in part of your fitness regime. Absolutely, because really any type of gym exercise can be simulated in your home environment. I mean, there's steps, there's things that you can hold on to for increased body weight, there's crowbars, there's, you know, logs and fence posts and whatever. You can use whatever you've got around you. All you really do have to do is think a bit creatively and make good use of what, it, what is around you. And, uh, Joy, you've obviously been uh, running off-the-track training for quite some time now. Um, you, you've got a good subscription? Yeah, it's great. It's all over Australia and we just actually signed up a few people in the US for a program wow. over there. It seems that um, there's also isolated people in the US, can you believe it? And uh, Joy, it's not just about um, exercise as such. You give uh, nutrition advice and, and all of that goes with it. Yeah, definitely. I'm not the expert on nutrition, even though I have learnt a lot from our wonderful naturopath nutritionist, Stacey Kircho, who is actually based in Yapoon, but she's a country girl, and she's put together this most amazing amount of food tasks that really apply to people in real-life situations, so they're not going to ask you to buy all these fancy ingredients that you often can't get in rural and remote areas. Um, she has a really down-to-earth approach when it comes to food, about fitting in good nutrition with your daily life and family eating and all those sorts of things. So I'm very lucky to have her on board. And Joy, how much does lifestyle play a part? I mean, it's about fitting into, you know, a lifestyle you've already got. I mean, people are very busy at the moment, but I think what you do is you try to fit programs that are tailor-made for individuals. I think also too, Parky, is that we have to all understand that fitness needs to fit in with life. We can't wait for the ultimate 
um, situation where all the kids are looked after and the, the climate is nice and cool and the daylight's shiny and we've got all the gear, we've got our shoes on. We, if we wait for that, we'll never get it done. So really everything that we create is about fitting in fitness with life and doing something is always better than nothing. And that really helps people to stay motivated and to start. And I find it difficult too sometimes if I've had a busy week and I feel like the exercise is becoming a chore. Mm. Do you just suggest to have, the, have that day or week off and then start fresh the following week? I just think that it's even good to do something. And remember, you don't have to flog yourself out in the gym or on the track or road to get benefit. It's about consistency. And just if you've had a really busy week, the first thing that you need to do is actually prioritise a bit of downtime and recovery. But that doesn't mean sitting on the couch watching the footy with a packet of chips. It means potentially going out, a bit of fresh air, a bit of mindfulness, bit of relaxation and actually movement is the only way you can shift yourself out of that whatever exhaustion you've experienced during the week. So it's a really big important thing and just by getting up and moving actually helps you to recharge your body a little bit more. And Joy, one thing I constantly debate is whether to exercise in the morning or the afternoon. Is there one that's more preferred? Do you think it's better getting over and done within the morning or do you think it's good to have something to look forward to in the afternoon? Is there some advice you can give me? There is just this. You need to do it when you're most likely to be able to get it done. And for a lot of people, that is the morning because they don't get distracted then. And in the afternoon, there's lots of things that they get tied up in doing. It's what suits you. So there is no hard and fast rule. So you're going to have to be disciplined with yourself and say, okay, I know that this afternoon I'm probably going to get sidetracked doing this, so I have to get up early this morning. It's about getting it done. And a a couple of our big... um killers or our big dramas in life, heart disease and diabetes and even mental health, exercise can really help all these things. Absolutely. And I mean, I think a lot of the time we've got those long-term things that we, oh, we want to avoid a heart attack and we want to avoid diabetes and, and all, those, all of those things in our mind. But essentially, sometimes they're not enough to get us out of bed the next day and go, I better go and exercise. You've got to be thinking about the short-term goals or the short-term benefits of staying active. And for a lot of parents, it's keeping up with kids and being a good role model. For a lot of other people, it's about the amount of energy and clarity that exercising and feeling confident within themselves can give to every other aspect of their lives, like business and work. I mean, people just perform better and make better decisions when they are fit, and that's the bottom line. So if the fear of a heart attack isn't getting out of bed, then you need to think about short-term goals. Like if I want to be at the top of my game in my work life, I'm going to have to treat my body like a well-oiled machine and feed it well and move it well. Joy, thanks very much for your time and contribution to the summer edition heard across the Resident Network. Anyone who wants more information on off-the-track training, what's the uh, best contact numbers or way to find you? Just offthetracktraining.com.au and when you send an email message or want to ask a question, that comes straight to me, so I'm always available for everyone. And I might see you out on the track somewhere, Parking. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks very much, Joy. It's the Summer Edition heard across the Resonate Network. It's the Summer Edition heard across the Resonate Network on 4BL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and hot country. Scott, it's time to go to the stands. Yeah, go to the stands. This was the brainchild of one Nick Backstrom. We thought we love hearing from 
sporting superstars like Adrian Vowles, who you'll hear on the show today, but there's also passionate fans, and we want to get their views and what they love about sport, and we've got a real legend of the sporting world um, in his own right. We've got Jack Fuller from Sports. How and, are you, Jack? friend of the network. Friend of the network, a former, yeah, he actually filled this chair at one point. Hey, boys, I miss it. Miss the Central West. Hello to everybody listening. Good to be back with you. Mate, first of all, tell us a bit about sports. Oh, look, sports is something that's uh, maybe a bit like yourself and Scotty, something that I like to do with a couple of friends just to give me an excuse to talk about sport and uh, do it on, on Facebook so we have no sort of network breathing down our neck telling us what we can and can't say. So we, we uh, you know... Say what we think and get uh, some pretty good responses to it every week. We just discuss, you know, the NRL, the AFL, whatever's going on in the world of sport. It's good fun. So, Jack, from your point of view, um, what's your favourite sport to discuss? Obviously, you guys on sports cover all of them, but is there one that you're, you're more passionate about than another? I think at the moment, it's probably the cricket. It's something that I follow uh, probably a little bit more than any other sport at the moment. Um, obviously, with the NRL, you, you follow it, but then you're Bronco. <laughs> Being a Broncos fan, it's a bit of a tough year. So <laughs> I, try, I try, try to ignore it a little bit. And, and the, uh, the the boys up north and Cowboys aren't doing so well, neither are the Titans. So, and cricket he's, he's got, is my sport. And he's got uh, purple blood when it comes to uh, cricketers in the Northern Rivers of New South Wales um, related to the great Brett Crawford. The, bra- the great Brett Crawford probably should have played uh, for New South Wales. Never made the never made the state team, but well, you played with him. What's he? You tell me that he was he was uh, a hell of a player. Oh, he's an absolute freak. I, I got him out a couple of times. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. What's he's not going to give someone else a pump up that he played with without mentioning his own statistics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack, uh, talking cricket. The on Thursday, the squad for the first test was announced with Tim Payne, the camp, captain, Cameron Bancroft, Joe Berms, Pat Cummings, Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Marcus Lushenbach, uh, Nathan Lyon, <laughs> Michael, Michael, his name. Michael S- Nessa, James Pattinson, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Matthew Wade, and David Warner. Jack, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I was surprised to see Cameron Bancroft come in, um, especially after being found out pretty badly in England. I thought Usman Khawaja maybe a little bit unlucky. He usually uh, plays pretty well in Australia, well enough to book himself an overseas trip, and then it's overseas when he doesn't do so well. So apart from that, not too many surprises, I would have thought. I would have loved to have seen the Will, Will Pekoski um, get a run instead of, um, say, maybe uh, maybe Matt Wade. Well, he set himself out, Jack. He's actually said that he wasn't mentally ready to play it. Exactly right. And he, I can tell you, he was uh, uh, he was a, a, a near shoo-in to play. I spoke with Trevor Holmes earlier this year, and he was, he was talking him up big time. Um, and only young, 21, but still a, a bit of a mark of maturity to to rule yourself out of playing for your country, which for him would be what he plays cricket for, just by recognising he's not ready. Now, Jack, I want you to look at your crystal ball for me. Dave Warner, let's say his figures in the first three tests, no batting scores above 30. Will we see him play test cricket for Australia again? That's a good one. It's been a lean run, hasn't it? Um, I would say no. I would say no. I think 
you give him the full ashes theory, and then um, and then obviously you've got to pick him in Australia because Australian conditions, he's going to you'd hope get some runs, but. Yeah, if he's, if he's getting out before he's hitting 30, it means he's probably not getting his eye in and there's something wrong there. Um, so, yeah, maybe uh, he might finish his career this summer. Who knows? Hasn't I'd it, like to see him do well. Hasn't it been a stark contrast, and I take the T20 scores out of the equation and I talk of the two players that faced adversity off the back of the sandpaper saga. Steve Smith, he made every post a winner, didn't he, over in England and um, he's back as our favourite son again. And David Warner, he's, he's on the ropes. How fickle the Australian sporting public are. You can do whatever <laughs> you like, but if you're scoring runs or, or scoring tries or whatever the sport is, we forgive you in a heartbeat. Just look at you know, Nick Kyrgios and how much we want to love him. But, um, I mean, that's it. He's just got to score runs. He's just got to score runs and and we'll forget everything that... Um, we'll forget everything that happened in, in Cape Town all those years ago, as we have with Steve Smith, who was just over the freak. What's his hope the same thing happens with his personal personal record? Hey, um, <laughs> Jack, when you say you've got, you know, you give some pretty strong opinions on sports, and if you haven't listened to it and watched it, mate, it's a fantastic little program you've got going. So, mate, when you give out these strong opinions, you ever had any, uh, you know, the keyboard warriors have a fair crack at you? Well, it's usually the boys south of the border that get a little bit uptight about what we say about the New South Welshmen. So it's usually... Um, around origin time when we have our strong opinions and uh, James on the show is a, is a diehard New South Welshman so he obviously uh, sticks up for his team as well and it's usually the usually the, um, the, the glass-jawed New South Welshman that <laughs> tends to jump, <laughs> to jump on the keyboard and have a go but uh, yeah, no, it's... it's uh, that's a great thing about sport, isn't it? Is everyone has strong opinions, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what happens. It's not life or death, so you can kind of air them. And um, and at the end of the day, the one thing you have in common is the love of sport. Now, Jack, you are our first guest here on From the Stands, and we thought we'll close this segment with a bit of a, a challenge, Scott. Yeah, well, as a you know, someone in the stands, there's obviously a lot of athletes that we love, but there's ones that we love to hate. So the ones that we, you know, there's a soft spot for, you love to cheer against them, but there's a secret little part. So, Jack, who are your top three athletes that you love to hate? Oh, geez, that's a, that's a, a great question. Um, as so many of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the first one that comes to mind is James Anderson. Yep. Uh, English cricketer, you know, he's such a smug, arrogant, he's just your, your typical <laughs> smug pom, isn't he? Um, and, and and he's so good, too, and that's why, that's why I love to hate him, because he's not, you know, just a sad, uh, sad, sorry cricketer, he's one of, been one of the best swing bowlers in the last few decades, in my opinion. Nearly all time. He, yeah, that's right, so, um, yeah, he, he's one I, I definitely love to hate. Um, Secondly, and probably for similar reasons as James Anderson that he's so good, is James Tedesco. I don't know why, but it just he just rubs me the wrong way. And I think it's because he plays for the Roosters and New South Wales, two teams that I despise with every cell of my being. So <laughs> he's someone that uh, I don't get around. And then His Barry Beef don't help. His, his teeth, pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Easy, boys. <laughs> 
<laughs> best player in the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he is. So maybe it's a little bit of um, a little bit of tall poppy syndrome there for him, um, from me as well. And then uh, someone else that I love to hate. Final one, probably probably Paul Gallon. I know he's I know he's retired, but geez, he still loves to run his mouth, doesn't he? And he was he was. Certainly, if he was still playing, he would have been up there number one, but I don't see him every week, so he's slipped back to three, but he's, he's still up there. Mate, Jack, thanks very much for your time and your contribution to the summer edition. If you want to see Jack more, get onto Facebook and like Sports, and uh, no doubt we'll catch you again over the summer. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me, and uh, good luck out there over the, uh, over the summer with the program. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, thanks Outstanding. Mate. Thanks, boys. That was a fun. Yeah, it's good All fun. Right. We'll catch up again. All right, mate. Th- thanks, mate. See bye. you, mate. See you, boys. Bye. And it's all thanks to the Australian Mungbean Association, the summer edition, heard across the Resonate Network, 4VL4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And uh, that just about wraps up our fourth edition of the summer edition. And a big thanks to all our contributors, including Kurt Mann, TK, Rowan Anderson, Shannon Cossa, Adrian Vowles, Joy McClummett and Jack Fuller from Sports. We wrap it up each and every week with our hot topic. Scott Parkinson. Now, boys, I don't know if you saw yesterday, and I don't watch much NFL, when something crazy happens, we tend to see it. There's a guy by the name of Miles Garrett um, who, to be fair to say, lost a bit of composure on the field in the game uh, against the Cleveland Browns. Now, what he did is he actually tackled the quarterback, then took off the quarterback's helmet and started to beat him with it. So what I kind of thought, and what's your, I know this is right in your ballpark, is what's the, <laughs> I know you're loving this, um, what's the angriest you've been on a sporting field? Well, we can go through each sport I've played, really. <laughs> well, which sports you're not banned from at the moment? Okay, soccer. Oh, yeah. Has anyone ever seen the Ju- what Julian Dick from West Ham? No. no. YouTube it. Um, I've wrapped bats around trees, golf clubs around trees. Um, bad temper at sport. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've been in, uh, I've been, yeah, red card a couple of times for foul tackles. Um, not proud of it. You're a little bit proud of it. Not, no, 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 no. If I could go back, I'd change some of it. Yeah. What about yourself, Nick? Now, you, I've never seen you lose your temper, but... Well, see, I have a very even temper, as you know, which I've inherited from my father, but I remember in grade 12 playing rugby against Nudgee on uh, number one field, one of the best rugby fields in the country, number one field at Nudgee College. Which get used and... about once every 15 months. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was their prop, and I almost got into... And just, just kind of sums up my sporting career... I was same as like I had my fist up going, all right, mate, come at me. I was literally lying on the ground, and he was towering over me, and I was challenging him, come at me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to Parco at uh, my birthday party <laughs> in a little club called Honeypot. Yeah, my credit card got declined. Uh, well, the angriest I've ever been was actually at a teammate. I was playing cricket, and um, as you both know, I'm not a very good cricketer. And uh, tried to push, see, so tried to push a single, and I said, "There's no single there." He goes, "Run!" And anyway, I ran. He goes, oh, nah, "No, got run out." I was that oh. angry. I said all <laughs> kinds of words that cannot be retru- repeated on this <laughs> network. And then when he eventually got out, I stood on the sideline. I stood up and I clapped. <laughs> and you know what? What he said, he looks back with regret. I look back and say, "I'll do it all again the same." <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, boys, looking forward to the week ahead. Obviously, uh, racing returns to the uh, Baku Amateurs at Blackall next week. Uh, country racing starting to wind down across the west, and uh, everybody's <laughs> looking forward to a well-earned holiday. Yeah, exactly right. I guess the big news in the Central West, Watsy, is the Reds Regional Tour, which is coming up. So hopefully we'll have some Reds on next week's summer edition. And it's not just it's not just um, the Central West, Nick. Um, you're close in, in um, the Reds camp there. It's all over country Queensland, and it's it's a great initiative. Yeah, I think it's something like uh, 22 um, sites all around uh, from... Mount Isa to the coast, down to the you know towards the southeast corner, Roma and the southwest. So yeah, it's a great initiative, and um, yeah, Queensland Reds. Um, yeah, the rugby is in you know some sort of a bit of a, a low point at the moment, and great to see the Queensland Reds just know they've got to go out there reconnect with the, with Queensland. And as we said at the top of the show, Nick, um, this natural devastation on devastation on devastation, mm. uh, it's been tough for a lot of regional Queenslanders, our listening audience, and uh, we do wish everybody all the best, and um, obviously the fires have been quite devastating, Nick, and uh, you've been at ground level, but uh, we are resilient as a, as a nation, and uh, we will get through this. For sure, yeah. As you say, it's great to be, great just to see the uh, people coming together and help working together. Scott, thanks very much for your time, and uh, we will catch you again next week. Look forward to it, mate. And Nick, make sure you travel back safely, and we look forward to that father-son game at cricket next weekend. <laughs> all right, son. And again, a big thanks to all our contributors to this week's summer edition. A big thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association, and it's heard across the Resonate Network, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country. What's he signing out? Have a great week, and we'll catch you on the summer edition again next Saturday.